You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Quality attorneys at established law firms for about, I don't know, 20 bucks a month. Those prices are insane. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. I want to start and end today's show with today's quote. Uh, I have quite a bit to say on it because it's a good quote and I'm going to read it to you now. It's by Martha Beck and it's this. The process of spotting fear and refusing to obey it is the source of all true empowerment. You know, my mom lived with an alcoholic, abusive man for over 40 years of her life having to care for three kids from her last marriage with my father, my stepfather became my new father figure. His aggressive, out-of-control, alcoholic binges put terror in all of us. Yet, my mom never left him. All of us kids grew older, and then we eventually moved out. And we all figured that she would finally leave him now that the kids were all grown up and out of the house. But no, she stayed. And here's the weirdest part. She hated every minute of it. I mean, it's weird because she stayed and hated it. She hated her marriage with him for as long as I can remember. She would even jokingly say that she should just kill herself and get it over with. She would share how much she hated him with us all the time. We were confused because she chose to stay with him. We had all moved out and we thought she'd be out of there too. And even if the reason she stayed was because she needed the financial security for us kids, she could no longer rely on that excuse after we all moved out. But really, she could not feel empowered because she submitted to the fear. Martha Beck says that refusing to obey fear is the source of all empowerment. My mom obeyed fear. When you obey fear, you give your power away. And no power means no options. 
When you feel powerless, you also feel like you have no choices, no options. You can't see past the fears, so you never see that you actually have more options available to you. My mom couldn't consider options that she didn't know she had. Sure, her kids, including me, would offer for her to live with us and we could take care of her, but her fear of never having been without our stepfather, her husband, was greater than her desire for some peace in her life, so she never took us up on it. She feared not having money, even though her life was already in danger. She feared being hurt by him, even though he was already hurting her. She feared what he might do if she left, even though she feared what he might do to her every single day. She hated him and didn't want to leave him out of fear. When fear drives you, you stay fearful. When you're motivated by not wanting to be in pain, you stay in pain. Sometimes what you fear most is exactly what will happen if you don't get away from what you fear most, if that makes sense. And this really saddens me because I see so many people in abusive relationships stay because of what might happen if they leave. They choose to live in fear rather than leave in fear. I mean, if you're already afraid, why not leave anyway? Either way, you're going to be afraid. What's stopping you from making decisions that empower you now? I realize that some fears are stronger than others, so you'll be driven by what has the most power over you. So the idea is to come to a place where you're okay with fear and you're okay no matter what happens. This is the hardest part for a lot of people. They don't want to be okay with what happens. I remember when I had my first and only panic attack in 2009. I came to a point where the fear got so bad that I thought I was going to die. So I found out what happens when all my fears come true. I did die. Well, a part of me died, that is. The part of me that feared the worst possible thing that could happen. Because when the worst possible thing, my biggest fear, did happen, the bottom dropped out and I fell through it. And then when there's nothing left to fear, the fear disappears. That's where I ended up that day in the Arizona desert, a thousand miles from home when my car broke down. I've told this story multiple times on this show, so I won't repeat it now, but that event changed my life forever. I found out what happens when what you fear most comes true. What happens is that there's nothing left to fear. (laughs) This is powerful. This is empowerment. And this is the very place that many people with fears, anxiety, and even depression don't want to go. They don't want to face the worst possible thing that could happen because they believe it could just keep getting worse and worse. So they spend the majority of their time avoiding what they fear. Resistance to what you fear creates anxiety and depression. I'm not saying it's the only thing that creates anxiety and depression, but I will say that it's a huge factor. And for many, the only factor that creates those conditions in them. If you don't want to feel anxiety anymore, 
then create the worst case scenario. That way, when what you fear most happens, there'll be nothing left to fear. I'm not saying it'll be easy. (laughs) My panic attack was one of the worst experiences of my life. But it changed me. It brought me peace. It prepared me for the future when I lost my job and I was broke, standing in line at a soup kitchen. The bubble burst that day in Arizona. And I was no longer anxious. This is empowerment. It's not facing your fears. It's living them and experiencing them to the fullest. When the bottom drops out and the panic reaches its threshold and busts out the top, you walk away a new person. This is what my mom ultimately experienced just a few years ago when my stepfather finally left the house. Over 40 years of fear. And he finally left. Now, had my mom left years ago, she would have had more time to start enjoying her life. But now, passing 70 years of age, she can finally start living a happier existence. Had she only left him earlier, she might have had a lot more time to realize there was so much more to life than living in fear. And her happiness didn't start immediately because after he left, she was still not empowered. Sure, what she feared had left the house, but she still had thoughts about letting him back in if he wanted to come back. Even after all those years of abuse, she would still let him back in. However, in about six weeks, the empowerment set in. She had an epiphany and probably asked herself, what the F was I thinking? (laughs) I would never let that man back into this house ever again. And she stuck to that sentiment because when he did reach out again and want to come back, she said, hell no. (laughs) That's empowerment. She knew that he could get angry and maybe even break into her house and hurt her. But she didn't care. She tasted freedom and it was sweet. She didn't care what he tried because she now knew what she'd been missing for all those years. Being away from him was a new realization for her. Her power came from her honoring herself and respecting her own life enough to make decisions that might even endanger her. Let me rephrase that because it's important. Your power comes from you honoring yourself even if doing so feels dangerous. That doesn't mean you put your life on the line. If it's a real life or death situation, you need to get out and get help. And there are people and organizations that have been created for that very purpose. But what it does mean is that many times we evaluate situations as being dangerous that really aren't at all. We're just afraid of accepting the outcome. Accepting what could happen, will happen, no matter what, feels dangerous. But it is closure. And closure means that there's nothing more to fear because you have no choice but to accept and move through it or resist it until you break blood vessels trying to prevent the inevitable. When I broke down in the desert, Well, there was a highway there, so I don't want to make it sound overly dramatic. But 
I believe the outcome would be that I'd lose my car and everything in it, and that I'd have no transportation for work when I got back home. This made me so sick and panicky because I didn't want to accept that that scenario could happen. But it did. The bottom dropped out, and I fell into the hole I resisted. The resistance was me not wanting to lose my car and all my stuff. The bottom that fell was acceptance of the worst possible thing that could happen. Now, in the grand scheme of life, losing a car and possessions is really not all that important. It's inconvenient and it may change your life, but it's not falling off a cliff. (laughs) I mean, I think the quote, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, rings so true in situations that cause us panic or anxiety. We fear being afraid. We fear the feeling of fear. So we resist it with all of our might. And that resistance is what creates anxiety. My hope for you is that you'll see fear as an opportunity to release resistance. There is a path to releasing all resistance, but many people won't walk it. It's a path of the warrior. (laughs) Now, don't worry, I won't get too metaphorical here, but when you embrace your inner warrior, you embrace that one possible result of your situation could be death. A warrior walks into any battle knowing it could very well be his or her last battle. The acceptance of death as an option brings courage and confidence in their every step. Now, you don't hear me talk about an inner warrior on this show because it won't resonate with everyone. But whether you choose to believe it or not, you have one inside of you. I know this is true because I've witnessed the meekest person reach their breaking point and have that fire lit inside them to take the action they need to take. I'll never forget the time when my stepfather slapped my mom in the face. She picked up a TV and threw it at him. (laughs) Well, she threw it near him. Now, she is the kindest, most generous person and never even yelled or disciplined us kids growing up. (laughs) So it's hard to believe that I didn't get into more trouble when I was younger. But she reached her breaking point that night. This sweet, innocent woman picked up one of those heavy tube televisions and threw it. She reached inside and accessed her inner warrior. When I say that the path to releasing all resistance is to accept or embrace that the situation you're in could mean death, it doesn't mean you're doing things that lead to your literal death. It is the death of fear. It is knowing the path is hard and scary with many pitfalls and dangers but you choose to accept that is the path you're going to walk, even if it means you'll fall. It's a full acceptance of the phrase, there's absolutely nothing you can do. In Arizona, I panicked until I told myself, that's it, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to lose everything. I have no choice. When I have no choice crossed my mind, I let go of choice. I let go of my attachment to choice. 
I had no choice. Did I really have no choice? Could there have been anything else I could have done? Absolutely. But the continuous debate in my mind of whether something could be done or not was irrelevant because that line of thinking was what was causing my anxiety. Thinking about what else I could do to avoid this situation where my car broke down and I was going to lose that and everything inside of it caused me to fear the fear itself. So I chose to accept that I absolutely had no choice and this was how it was, whether I liked it or not. And that freed me. That helped me let go of the burden of thinking and choosing. It was like a waterfall. My panic and anxiety washed downward and into the earth where I no longer had to worry. And what was left was a new person. This can happen to you. Anxiety can be released if you accept that there's nothing you can do about the situation and there's nothing you can do about what happens next or even after that. There is nothing you can do. There are many options available to us all the time, but when you accept that there aren't and let go of your resistance to what is happening, options that you wouldn't have considered or thought of suddenly show up. It really is a mystical experience. I went from, I will never let my car go, to, it's so easy to let it all go. Simply because I chose to accept death as an option. (laughs) Now let me explain that because it probably sounds weird. The reason I take you to death as in a worst case scenario is to show you what's really most important in every situation. Your life. Your life is the most important component of every situation. And the closer you are to death, the less material items and scary situations matter. When it comes to anxiety, most of the time, you're really not in any physical danger. I mean, when you are, you take action to avoid that danger, of course. Let me be very clear here. You do take action to avoid getting physically injured. But when there's no actual physical injury, accept that death is the scariest thing that could happen, but it's okay if it does. This is all a mind thing, really. Accepting death isn't welcoming it. It's accepting that you value life over everything and anything. I mean, without life, nothing else matters, right? If you're not here, then nothing here really matters anymore. You're not in a physical state of being anymore, so you don't have the physical dependencies that you used to have. But we get so tied down by so many physical dependencies that we tend to forget what's most important and we start equating losing our favorite shirt with losing our life. Again, that sounds weird, but at a very deep level, I believe this is what actually happens. We equate losing money or a loved one or a house or even our favorite cup with losing our life. We also equate being judged, humiliated, or embarrassed with losing our life. Because deep down, it feels like we're going to die. And by accepting that, yes, we could die, you learn to let go of everything below that. I realize that this is probably a controversial philosophy, and maybe I'm crossing the line, but accepting death 
isn't wanting or welcoming it. It's allowing it as an option so that there's no resistance to it. No resistance to death means no anxiety about the things that we depend on or desire to have in our lives. It doesn't mean that we should all let go of our ego and all attachments. It just means that there is a path to enjoying life without being so stressed all the time. The path is accepting that something worse will happen than what's happening now so that when you evaluate what's happening now, you figure out it's not as bad as you thought. Sure, the situation could be an important, life-changing event, but it doesn't have to give you anxiety when you can accept that what you fear will actually happen and then choose to be okay with the consequences. When you are in that space, you decrease the stress and anxiety about the situation and you gain more options. And you take action based on honoring yourself for your best interest in your overall mental health instead of continuing to be motivated by fear. You have that inner warrior inside of you that is fearless. You can develop that bring-it-on attitude and just become the warrior whenever you need. My mom threw a TV at her abusive husband knowing that she could be physically injured in return. She got in touch with that warrior. She faced death and won. Again, I don't recommend doing this in actual, physically threatening situations. Get out of those as fast as possible. But do remember your inner warrior when facing most things that give you anxiety. The warrior faces death knowing it's an option. Then, when the warrior doesn't actually die, he or she gains more confidence, strength, and empowerment than ever before. Now, if you're seeing a doctor for your anxiety, don't listen to anything I'm saying. (laughs) Always listen to the person that you've entrusted to help you with your specific challenges. I can only speak from the experience of busting through that panic wall that I once had. Will it work for you? My belief is that it does and will. But go where your instinct tells you to go. Find the path of healing that works best for you. I know what I know, but I don't know you. So be where you need to be until it's time. Anxiety doesn't have to be prevalent in your life, so know there's a way out. If anything, knowing there's an exit gives you hope. That's what I want for you. I used to think hope was a word used by people who couldn't or wouldn't take the steps they needed to empower themselves. But now I see it as a tool to reach empowerment, or at least a new place of less stress and anxiety. Hope helps you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Hope can be there, even when there's fear. Sometimes hope is the first step. So bring on your bring-it-on attitude and accept that what could happen might so that stress and anxiety wash away. I know it's not easy, but know it's possible and you'll be on your way to empowerment. So that's it for today. Like I said, it's a short episode, but I'm so glad to be able to connect with you before the year ends. Have a great new year.
I realize I said that's it for today, but I wanted to mention uh, one thing before I go. The new year is upon us, and some of you are probably making resolutions. If you've done resolutions in the past, have you stuck with them? I'm going to give you the opposite advice that you've probably heard most of your life. It's this. If resolutions never work for you, stop making them. <laughs> Seriously, don't make resolutions if you can't keep them. Now, the reason I say that is because when you make a commitment to yourself to do something and you don't do it, you build incongruence in yourself. Now, if you don't know what that means, I'll explain it in a minute. But the more you commit to and fail to follow through on, the less often you'll be able to trust yourself and make decisions. And if you don't understand what I mean, just ask yourself this. How often do I find myself unable to make a decision? If it's more often than not, then you're probably setting yourself up for failure. Making promises or commitments that you end up breaking sets yourself up for failure because there's a part of you that doesn't really believe you anymore. In other words, when you say, I resolved to get more exercise this year and it never happens, or it starts and then you quit, what you're really telling your subconscious mind is, I resolved to confuse you and make you think I'm going left when I'm really going right. Whenever you commit to something, follow through or don't commit. I realize sometimes you can't follow through. There are circumstances where stuff just happens. But more often than not, follow through or don't commit. And I'm not talking about just New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about any type of commitment that you make to yourself or anyone else. Incongruence is when you say one thing but do another. It's when you're smiling but you're actually sad. It's when you commit to something and then choose not to go through with it. Now, there are times where not going through with something is absolutely in your best interest. I'm not talking about those moments. I'm talking about everyday situations where the simple messages that you send to your subconscious mind are either beneficial to you in the long run or detrimental because of incongruent behavior. It's almost like you're lying to your subconscious mind. And the more you do it, the less integrated your life will be. You'll continually set yourself up to fail and you'll have no idea why your plans keep getting sabotaged. Anyway, my point is to always do your best to stay congruent. If you tell yourself that you will absolutely read 20 pages of your book today but never get around to it, that's incongruent. It's not bad or evil. It's just confusing to the subconscious mind. When you start being more congruent and doing what you actually commit to, you'll find that your life works with you instead of against you more and more each day. And as you know, I'm a personal empowerment coach. So if you are in a space where you are making decisions that don't work out or you're stuck in a place of indecision, that's one of my specialties. I can help you through one-on-one -on -one coaching if you want to reach out to me. Just go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on Coach with Paul. I work with video chat like Skype or Google Hangouts or FaceTime. 
And I also work on the phone. So no matter where you are in the world, we can connect and I can help you through your challenges. So with that, I'm going to let you go. I hope you have a fantastic new year. Always good to connect once again. Thank you for joining me today. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. We didn't hear her on the show today, but you've probably heard her before. (laughs) She's the one that you can talk to about legal insurance, where if you need legal advice or representation, she can help you determine what you need and if Legal Shield is right for you. She uses the service herself all the time, and she pays less than a dollar a day, so it's very affordable, especially when attorneys can be hundreds of dollars an hour. So contact Asha if you have any questions. You can call her at 678-355-8777 or visit getoutofthemess.com and send her a message there. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, this is a fantastic service and I highly recommend it. I want to thank everyone who has purchased a book or a worksheet or used the Amazon link to shop as you normally would which gives us pennies for every dollar you spend. Your contributions and shopping habits are making a difference. So thank you. Thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions today in the overwhelmed brain. All right, I'm going to close the show now. This was a short episode, as I said in the beginning, and there was a particular Ask Paul uh, email that I wanted to read today, but I just didn't have the time. But I will get to it next week. So I want to thank you for joining me today, and I hope that you are able to access that inner warrior in you anytime you need it. You know the situations where you'd love to have access to it, don't you? I know of a few of my own, and sometimes I do uh, reach inside and grab that warrior inside of me, pull him out so that he can take on the situation. I use the bring it on attitude. I just face a situation and go, you know what? This is starting to give me anxiety. This is starting to give me fear. And then I access that warrior and say, what's the worst you got? Bring it on. And suddenly I feel better. It's not a hundred percent effective all the time, but I almost always feel better. And you have one in you. So as you enter the new year, bring it on. What else you got? And with that, open your mind and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.